An evil old house, the kind some people call haunted, is like an undiscovered country waiting to be explored. Hill House has stood for ninety years and might stand for ninety more. Silence lay steadily against the wood and stone of Hill House, and whatever walked there, walked alone. Hey, gays and ghouls. I'm Sean Reedy. And I'm Katie Toole. And this is Friday Night Frights. A podcast about creaking doors, fluttering curtains, and unethical social experiments. Yeah, they're just not good. It's not a good time. It's, it's not, not It's not legal. No. It's definitely not legal, <laughs> and no university or research institution would have okayed it. No. Like, no one would have funded this. Yeah, I, I am baffled that it happened like this movie shouldn't have happened like this <laughs> this whole like from the from the get the scenario the scenario should not have been a thing right and i mean like i know we're talking about a haunted house movie that involves like the house literally moving so like is it realistic no no but still the realism aspect of the movie no just no right yeah uh, tonight we are discussing two different adaptations of Shirley Jackson's 1959 masterpiece, The Haunting of Hill House. The first one, which was made in 1963, which is a classic, and the second one, made in 1999, which is not. <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> the premise of The Haunting of Hill House, the novel, is that there is a... a uh, old mansion right in an undisclosed location in the in the novel you don't ever learn exactly where hill house is that has taken on a life of its own um due to the the amount of tragedy and despair that it has absorbed over the years or maybe it caused that tragedy and despair you're never quite sure right Right. uh A researcher into paranormal phenomenon wants to study the house, and so he brings on as, or he puts out an ad um, for assistants who have had experience with paranormal phenomenon. And his goal is to sort of um, eventually prove the existence of the supernatural, right? So uh, he brings on uh, Theo and Eleanor. And then he is joined by Luke Sanderson, who owns the house. Um, Or at least his family owns the house. I I believe in the novel, I'm not sure the backstory is told as elaborately in the novel as it is in the first film. Yeah, because I know in the first film, um, he's supposed to be like inheriting the house. So So technically his aunt owns it yes and then he will inherit it but he is sort of playing host slash chaperone of this experiment um where they will basically just be hanging out there and seeing if anything happens it's not really an experiment right (laughs) that's not an experiment nope 
Nope, that's an observation. I I call all of my hangouts experiments. <laughs> <laughs> We're experimenting in social like social anxiety here, folks. <laughs> It's an experimental podcast. Yes. Um, eventually, of course, spooky things do begin to happen. Mm-hmm. And they seem to center around Nell. And in the novel, even though it is clear that there are supernatural something going on, um, it's never made entirely clear whether Nell is the target of it or whether Nell is the cause of it. But it does center on Nell, Eleanor. Mm-hmm. Um, and... She ends up becoming obsessed with the house and not wanting to leave the house. And when they try to make her leave, uh, she agrees and gets into her car and drives it into a tree, mm-hmm. killing herself uh, so that her, presumably, right, so that her spirit may stay at the house. Although at the end of the novel, you never actually, there's never actually even confirmation that she's dead in the novel. It just sort of ends with her hitting the tree. Huh. But I mean, you know. I mean, you're left to assume. Yeah. That, you know, hit a tree, probably not going to feel very well. <laughs> you're not going to feel great. <laughs> not not going to be a good day for you. No. Um. It's funny that the further in time we get away from the haunting of Hill House as a novel, mm-hmm. the le- the less faithful the adaptations are becoming. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, like, later this month, we will uh, tackle Mike Flanagan's The Haunting of Hill House for Netflix. Yes. Which was gorgeous. Oh, absolutely. But only very loosely related to the novel. Yeah, there was not much link right. to the original source material. At all. <laughs> except for, like... It's a house. The house. <laughs> um, the, the general, like, vibe of the house. The... the a few of the characters' names and their sort of general personalities. Right. Um, even mm-hmm. though, like, they started as children. Yep. Oh, yeah. That's another thing. So, I mean, we'll talk about this more when we talk about The Haunting of Hill House. But there is not a single child in the novel. Like, not a one. There's not really even mention of a child. Right. <laughs> At least not, like, a current child. And um, so if you've only seen Mike Flanagan's version, know that. <laughs> Before you dive into that book. Otherwise, you're going to be very confused. Yep. The 1963 version of the film was directed by Robert Wise, uh, who had a long and storied career that was as diverse as any you will find. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he did The Haunting, obviously. He did West Side Story. He did The Andromeda Strain. He did the original Star Trek movie. Like, yeah. all over the map. Yeah. Um, but always, always good. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he's always great. Very consistent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Jan de Bont directed the 1999 version. Uh, and he's more known for action films like Speed or Twister. Mm-hmm. Um, which actually learning that he directed this does make a lot of sense. Yeah. Because it is in many ways played as an action movie. Especially at the end. Yes. Yeah, much more so than a than a traditional horror movie, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate because it had a lot of potential, and yeah. <sighs> I mean it's got a great cast. It does. It has a great cast. The acting is as good as it can be, right? For the like, for, for the, the writing source material. Yep. <laughs> um, 
which is unfortunate. They're they're working with what they got. Yep. The the worst I I really think like besides the plot itself mm-hmm. being a very flat experience. <laughs> mm-hmm. The CGI in this movie oh my God, kills me. I mean, it's just and it wouldn't be an issue if it was only used like once or twice. No, but it's the whole it's the whole goddamn movie. Everything that is haunting the house is CGI. Yeah, they don't they don't use a single sort of like they don't use a single subtlety in this film. No. Like not one. It's um like the makers of the 1999 version mm-hmm. watched the 1963 version mm-hmm. and wrote down everything that made it great and then did the opposite. Yep. They're like, <laughs> throw that out. That list is unimportant. <laughs> we don't want this to be a, you know, and I get it. I get it when you're making a sort of like, uh, I mean, I guess you can't really even, it's hard to call it a remake because it's based on a book, right? But a, a, another adaptation or a readaptation when the original movie is so iconic that you like want to set yourself apart. Right. But the way to have done that was to make a good film. Yeah. Not just to pump it full of like unnecessary extra storylines and and a bunch of faces behind curtains. <laughs> lots lots of faces and curtains in this movie. Yeah. Lots lots of them. Children and adults alike. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I just, and, and the house is beautiful. And I know that it's like, so extra. It's pretty extra. But I love it. I mean, it's cool. It would be cool. I mean, I mean, you would be, it would be affecting to walk into a house like that. Yes. For sure. And at least it's consistent. (laughs) Like, at least, at least it is extra throughout. That is true. Yeah. And, And my thought I have a theory. Okay. Carry on. Kane? Crane. Kane. Kane? Uh, Crane. Crane. (laughs) (laughs) So Kane is Citizen Kane. (laughs) Right. Which is a diff... Which is like... Honestly, you could probably argue, actually, it's a horror movie, but (laughs) it's a different kind of horror. Yes. Much more grounded in reality. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Crane, mm-hmm. the man that built this house. Hugh Crane. Hugh Crane. I'm like, are you struggling with your sexuality? Because, sir, <laughs> this house is gay. It's so gay. This is the gayest fucking house. Yeah. I mean, Liberace could have could have built this house. It Liberace came on this house. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Liberace said this is my bitch (laughs) (laughs) it is a gorgeous house especially the room that they go into where the hallway is where you have to walk you have to use books as stepping stones to get through it there's a fucking river there's a fuck who says let's just put a river in here we just we need a moat oh like around the outside of the house for protection no no just in this hallway just this one just one right here (laughs) just this hallway nowhere else (laughs) And, like, how is it running? Why is it still running? You'd think at this point they'd turn it off. Right. 
There's no one living there. Yeah. Like you think that, you know, the rest of the fountains are turned off. <laughs> They're like, but this one's effective. So let's just keep it going. <laughs> or the calliope room. Yes. <laughs> like yep. the whole room is spinning. Like, do yep. you understand? Do you understand the level of structural bullshit that they would have had to do if it were a real house mm -hmm. to make a spinning room in the middle of it? Yep. They're like, it's fine. Put some cogs in and call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, but yes, yeah, so we will get into the pros and cons of the of these two adaptations of the Haunting of Hill House. Mm -hmm. uh, but first, it is Shock Tale Hour. Tonight's Shock Tale is called the Brandy Eleanor. Mm -hmm. It is a play on the Brandy Alexander, of course, um, but with a little bit of extra pep, if you will. Uh, so you're going to take a shot of brandy, mm -hmm. half a shot of creme de cacao, half a shot of Kahlua, um, and then an ounce and a half, so, sh so a shot of cream, mm -hmm. right? So basically the brandy and the cream are equal parts and then a half part of the creme de cacao and the Kahlua. And then you're going to sprinkle some cinnamon on top. This would make a great holiday drink. A Brandy Alexander is a great holiday drink. You just right. leave out the Kahlua if you want a regular Brandy Alexander. But uh, the Brandy Eleanor is because, uh, first of all, Brandy Alexander just uh, strikes me as sort of an old-fashioned fancy drink, mm -hmm. right? And they drink Brandy pretty heavily in the 1963 version of the film. And then in the 1999 version of the film, they are all insomniacs. So that's where the coffee liqueur comes in. So I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty tasty. Give mm -hmm. it a, give it a, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up. Christmas will be here before you know it. It'll be a good time. The genesis of the original adaptation of The Haunting of Hill House came about in one of those classic ways uh, in which director, Rob, director Robert Weiss was sitting there in his office reading the book and someone came in to talk to him about something and it scared the hell out of him right and he said oh we should make this a movie right if like. it's this scary as a book how scary will it be as a movie mm -hmm. uh he met actually with shirley jackson herself right and apparently there was some apparently there was some sort of interaction where he told her that he felt like the the book was really about nell's mental breakdown mm-hmm and that he wasn't even sure that there was any sort of actual haunting in the book. And Shirley Jackson was like, no, no, the house is haunted. <laughs> Hi, it's, it's, it's called The Haunting <laughs> of Hill House. It's just like, definitely supernatural. <laughs> so he took that and he was kind of like, but what about both? So off he went. Um, his adaptation of the story is pretty faithful to the book itself. And uh, the only difference, which is interesting to me, is that in the book, Mrs. Markaway mm -hmm. is also an enthusiast of the supernatural. Like, she shows up and starts doing seances and shit. Whereas in the movie, like, she's furious 
that her husband right. is wasting his time right and his resources on on this nonsense mm-hmm. and I can't quite figure out why they made that change I yeah you know what I'm not really sure either I mean it worked I but, mean yeah it was fine but but it I guess they're like let's add some conflict I guess <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it adds a little conflict, and, and they were trying to, they were, as they often were, trying to make this movie as cheaply as possible. Right. Um, because MGM gave them a pretty restrictive budget. hmm And, you know, I suppose a full-on, like, seance scene or something might have, like altered the vibe a little bit a little bit right yeah. where so it's just sort of like um everything was sort of hidden and not explicit and you know which is why it was so effective which is why what they did in the in the second adaptation is just astounding right <laughs> it's like you watched that movie right no 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 they did not apparently not uh it starred claire bloom uh as theo who has always been a lesbian. Right back to the book. Well, I guess, okay, she's bi in, in the 1999 version, but... Right. Yeah. And, and like, I, I, I appreciated that it was, like... I appreciated that they brought... They, they made it, like... It was implied, but it wasn't obvious. But I'm glad that they implied it, considering the time that right. this movie was made. I had actually forgotten before I watched this movie, you know, before I watched it again, to you know, for the research for this episode, I had forgotten how thin that veil was. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, it's mm-hmm. like, they don't really hide it that much. No, 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 no. They're no, like, no. oh, no, this chick is gay. Like, mm-hmm. you have to be, like, it would be, you know, if you didn't get it, it would be like a Harold, their lesbians moment. Like, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you get it, right? Like, she's gay. <laughs> I think my favorite part is when Nell's like, you know, when... Theo is discussing her own apartment in New York and she's saying we for everything. We did this, we did that. Mm-hmm. And then Nell asks her if she's married. And the look on Theo's face when she just says no. <laughs> and Nell's like oh sorry. It's <laughs> <Just> like <laughs> it's beautiful. It's a beautiful bit of, of interaction there. <laughs> Um, but yes so if any kind of asshole tries to tell you that making Kate Siegel's um, character gay in the Mike Flanagan version was some sort of like you know 21st century you know quote unquote woke nonsense or something no no she's always been gay always and forever they just couldn't really say it out loud in 1963. Right. Rewatching the 1999 version made me realize that a lot of the movies that I truly loved as a child, and don't get me wrong, I mean, I love me a bad movie. I mean, if we've learned nothing on this podcast about me, it's that. However, I've learned that <laughs> many of the movies that I loved and thought were really great in like the late 90s really just had pretty women in them. Mm. <laughs> Was this good? Absolutely not. Is Catherine Zeta-Jones in it? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I and I have no one that I like in this one at all. 
Mm. I mean, Liam Neeson's like attractive, but he's a handsome man, right? You know, he's sort of Liam Neeson. He's, he's he's completely Liam Neeson. He is in fact Liam Neeson. He's not just sort of Liam Neeson. <laughs> it's a new one. <laughs> he's you know sort of Liam Neeson. Yeah, well, his name is Liam Neeson, so that oh would make God. him that would make him Liam Neeson. Um, <laughs> um. Anyway. <laughs> Back to the original. The original also starred Julie Harris as Nell. Um, a lot of the actors in the original uh, had theater backgrounds. Uh, it also starred Richard Johnson, Russ Tamblin, who you will recognize from various movie musicals, including West Side Story and Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. <laughs> if you know anything about that crazy batshit movie... <laughs> Gideon. Gideon is in this movie. Um, and uh, also, the professor's wife, Mrs. Markaway, is played by Lois Maxwell, who was the original Miss Money Penny in the Bond films. So. <laughs> I was having a grand old time. I was like, look, look, look <laughs> <laughs> And I'm over here like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know any of y'all. <laughs> Oh, we should watch Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. You know what? Okay, so I'm going to admit this. I'm going to admit this openly on the podcast. I know I've not seen that. I've heard of it, but I've not seen it. I've never watched West Side Story. Oh, really? I own it. Oh. Have not sat down to watch it. They're making a new one. I know. I saw. It looks good. It does look good. I'm sure it will be. Mm Mm-hmm. Ironically from Steven Spielberg. Ironically from Steven Spielberg. (laughs) Who, who, by the way, worked, did, did not, well, he didn't work on this, on the remake, well, the 1999 version of The Hunting specifically, but it was produced by his company. Right. So. Yeah. And he was going to make it mm-hmm. with Stephen King, and then they came to some. Something. Something. Yeah. But we got Rose Red out of that, so, okay. you know. You win some, you lose some. Right. <laughs> um. Would have been a much better film if they had been involved, I think. Right. Um, The original was filmed in England at Eddington Park, which, and this is very important information, folks, is now a hotel. Yes, which we need to go to. Mm -hmm. It's in Stratford-upon-Avon, so if you're like me, if you have the particular brand of nerd that loves both Shakespeare and horror movies, (laughs) you need to go to this hotel. (laughs) Like, ASAP. Um... Uh, but yes, yeah, so in the original adaptation, Julie Harris plays Nell, who has spent most of her adult life caring for an invalid mother, and she has this very sort of um, overbearing and, and really rather cruel sister who's kind of cutting her out of her inheritance. Right. Um, and she also lives with her sister and her sister's husband. Mm-hmm. And she answers an ad for this experiment about haunted houses right right uh and she basically runs away from home yeah she steals the car and goes she steals the car yeah which is like i you could write an entire thesis about movies in the 1960s that begin with a woman stealing something and then running away like psycho yeah this right like Mm -hmm. blonde women stealing things was like a genre (laughs) in and of itself in the early 60s (laughs) 
sure was, wasn't it? It was, in fact. Uh, and doc- Dr. Markaway, played by Richard Johnson, is the uh, researcher who is conducting this research. Mm-hmm. And he has reached out specifically to, uh, you know, people who've had paranormal experiences. Mm-hmm. So, but only two ended up answering. Nell, who does not admit to any paranormal experience, but there's record of her being ta- tormented by a poltergeist when she was young. Yes. And Theo, um, who has ESP, mm-hmm. like has been tested and like, quote unquote, proven to have to have ESP. Right. Um, and then Luke Sanderson, like we said, is the nephew of the owner of the house and he is set to inherit. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, the owners of the house would like Mark Way to find nothing. Oh, Definitely. Which is yeah. hilarious because they would make so much money if he found something. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. They didn't know. Right? That's true. <laughs> I guess maybe not in 1963, but now yeah. you'd be like, where am I? Find something. Fake it. I don't right. care. Right. Yeah. No, they fake it. I mean, that's... <laughs> that's actually... There's a movie called High Spirits. Have you ever seen this movie? High Spirits? I've High not. Spirits. High Spirits actually stars Liam Neeson. Tying it in. Tying it in, folks. <laughs> It's this movie by the from the '80s that is like this really silly concept that has this absolutely remarkable cast, like Liam Neeson, Steve Gutenberg, Beverly D'Angelo, uh, Peter O'Toole, <laughs> like <laughs> Daryl Hannah, like everyone who was a name in the '80s is in this movie. In addition to some like big prestige actors, like Peter O'Toole, fucking Tool, right? <laughs> and uh, in that one, quick synopsis: Peter O'Toole uh, owns a castle in Ireland, I think. Makes sense. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah. know why I was like wondering about that. He owns a castle in Ireland, which is actually where he's like where his family's from, as mm-hmm. is mine. <laughs> Basically the same last name. And uh, it is actually haunted. Mm-hmm. But the ghosts don't like the fact that he's like using it as a hotel. So they like never show themselves. But to make money, he's trying to pretend that it's haunted. So he, he, he sort of sets up, even though he knows well and good that, this, that the place is actually haunted, he sets up all these sort of like, you know, haunted attraction type effects in the, in the castle. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you know, they're ridiculous because he's an old drunk because he's Peter Tool. And <laughs> <laughs> the, man, the, man could play, the man could play an old drunk well, for reasons. Um, and... Gutenberg and Beverly D'Angelo and, and, and several others, several of which I, I'm for, I, it's escaping me at the moment, but there are several other names in this cast as well, mm-hmm. um, play a group of investors who want to buy the castle, dismantle it, and move it to the United States. Why does that sound like an awful idea? It sounds like an awful idea, but it's been done. Right. Yeah, um, that's true. And the ghosts, of course, don't like that. So then they start actually haunting them. Right. Right. So they are unimpressed with Peter O'Toole's sort of fake haunting. But then the real haunting starts, which only excites them at first. Right. Right. And so it's backfiring on the ghosts. Um, And then, of course, because it's the 80s and for some reason there was an entire genre of like regular human men falling in love with specifically Daryl Hannah as some sort of mythical creature. Steve Gutenberg falls in love with Daryl Hannah, who is a ghost. Ah, okay. Yeah. 
And Liam Neeson is also one of the ghosts. Yes. It's a fucking hilarious movie. Like, it's ridiculous, but I love it. All right. Adding to the list. Yeah. For sure. So the the 1999 version actually kind of reminds me of this movie because they're like faking the haunting. Right. But then it actually ends up being haunted. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But in 1963, they actually like they go in wanting a haunting to be happening, but like understanding that they probably weren't going to find it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they do. Um, and the effects in the original are virtually none. Yeah. It's all camera work. It's all camera work. And that one absolutely incredible shot of the door that I have no idea how they did it. Oh, of it like move of it, of it like, like breathing essentially. Yeah. Like how did they do that? Yeah, I don't know. How did they do that? Like that's the thing. I think that's why I love practical effects so much. Oh, yeah. Because CGI, you know how they did it. Right. They It's graphics. Right. It's just, <laughs> they put it. They put code yeah. into a computer and it made it happen. Mm-hmm. But like with movies like the original The Haunting, you see that door just bending like that. Mm-hmm. And you're sitting there trying to think how they pulled that off. Yeah. And... I think that's that's part of where the magic is for me in practical effects. Because I know we, we talk about our love of practical effects on this podcast all the time. Yep. Um, which is probably part of the reason we're not the hugest, you know, fans of the 99 one. Because there are not a one practical effect in the entire thing. No, I think the only thing that's like technically a practical effect is like the spikes from the bed. But it's like when they're moving... Oh, at right. the beginning, and then when they're already in the bed. Right, when she's actually pinned down. Right. Yes, those are actual. But I'm like, that's not really an effect. No, they just like... Because you... When it, a thing yeah, exactly. Like, when it's actually moving, it's still CGI. Right. Mm-hmm. Besides the very beginning when it's just like them stretching down. Right. Which I'm like, well, okay, cool, camera work, good job. Mm. But, yeah, no, that's... it's. It's an obscene amount of CGI, and it's not good CGI. Right. Well, and there's just no comparison in effectiveness. No. The original was so tense Mm -hmm. the entire time. And you have this sort of superseding feeling of dread. Mm -hmm. Whereas the newer one is just like, Look at our splashy graphics. Right. Like it's no, you know, there's no, there's no like emotional heft behind it. Despite the fact that they had a pretty good cast. Yeah. Like the casting in, in the remake, the 1999 version was good. Yeah. It was really good. Like all, all of those, everyone that was in that movie is a great actor. Right. Like um, in, in other projects they have shown. Right. But this is not a good example. This is not, no. this is not to be on your, your resume. Right. So I will say that... I will say that uh, the 1999 version does have a place in my heart for introducing me to Lily Taylor. Yeah. I I mean, because she is a great actress. She is. And she's great at this kind of role specifically. Yep. (laughs) As we talked about in the Conjuring Mm -hmm. uh, episode. But 
so that's the setup of the 1963 version. Mm -hmm. In the 1999 version, the conceit for getting them all to the house was much more elaborate and, in my opinion, unnecessarily so. Yeah, it... Why Why change why? the plot that much? Like, a, a guy wants to... A guy wants to see if a house is haunted. So he goes to a house that's supposed to be haunted and hires people who have allegedly seen paranormal or experienced paranormal things to help him see if the house is haunted. Right. Boom. But no, the... Uh, Dr. Marrow, which is what they call him in the 1999 version, played by Liam Neeson, uh, is conducting a completely unethical experiment that n absolutely no research in institution ever at any time would allow to happen. No! <laughs> Here, let's trick these people. Right, hey. like, it would entirely invalidate your research. Yeah, absolutely 100%. it would. Mm -hmm. Like, you would not be able to submit that to any kind of, like, you know reputable peer-reviewed journal and be have it be considered like truth mm -hmm. at the end of the day right at all um but so he advertises his experiment as an insomnia study mm -hmm. so he's looking for people who are insomniacs because he wants people who are particularly suggestible which again just invalidates his research but what he's actually testing is the effect of fear on performance, which also doesn't make any sense because what kind of performance are they going to be like? What what kind of tasks are they going to be performing in this house? Like he's basically just okay. testing how scared they get. Like there's there, he doesn't ask them to do anything. Right. He's not like here, like, you know, you know fill out these this scantron like no it's he just he's just like okay let's scare these people well i mean like he does well he does do that false test that he gives them like he gives them True. like the yeah the paperwork that he that they have to fill out which i'm like what just why yeah why are you doing this mm -hmm. like just tell them it's a haunted house like are you like i understand that it may be it may be hard to believe that like in, in one thought process, if you're on the outside where, like, you don't like being scared, mm -hmm. like, why would people want to go to a haunted house? But hi, there are people out there that want to go to a fucking haunted house. Like, are you kidding? Well, his argument would be that they would show up expecting to be scared if they knew. Which, okay, that's, while that's fair. It's still not a valid experiment. Right. At that point, if they don't know why they're there. Right. Like... I, this is like, you know, this is like, actually, it would have made more sense for this scenario to be in the 1963 movie because like that, you, that was when they used to do shit like this. Right. Yes. As opposed to 1999 where right. like places would be like, no, shut it down. Go home. No, stop it. Hi, this isn't how science works. <laughs> we don't do this anymore. Stop. That's why psychology has a bad rap. Yes. Of like just messing with people's minds. Shut it down. Right. Um. And he puts an ad in the paper. Mm -hmm. And uh, Nell is still, you know, a woman who spent most of her adult life caring after, uh, you know, her sick mother. Mm -hmm. And her sister this time is Virginia Madsen, 
who you will remember from Candyman. Yep. Um, <laughs> and they're trying to sort of sell the apartment that she lives in out from under her. And so she, again, is sort of running away from home. But she gets a mysterious phone call telling her to look in the newspaper. Right. Um, you know, which is heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. You know what would have worked better? A breeze. A breeze from the window. Mm-hmm. Blowing open the newspaper to that ad. Right. That would have worked better than like... Because she doesn't even ask who's on the phone. No, she's just like, oh, $900 a week? Sure. Done. <laughs> I'm like, wait. Wait a minute. And like, it's not her sister because her sister just walked out the door. Right. And this would be before everyone had a cell phone. Some people had cell phones. But right. Are you thinking that people just randomly call? Like, is that a thing? Is that a thing that happened in the, in the fucking 90s where people <laughs> just randomly called other people's... Like, I know that telemarketing is a thing, but like, hey... Not usually let- like that. <laughs> Hey, do you want to make $900 a week? Like... Look in the newspaper. Look in the newspaper to stay in a house. It just doesn't... It just doesn't track. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. Um, but she too goes to Hill House. Yes. And she gets there. In both versions, she gets there and she meets the Dudleys. The Dudleys are the caretakers of Hill House and they've gone a little crazy because of it. Mm-hmm. Mr. Dudley sort of refuses to let her in even though he knows there's supposed to be people coming. Yep. More forcefully in the original than in the remake. Yeah. Um, and then Mrs. Dudley is just a loon. Just an absolute loon. Yeah. Um... Who gives the same speech to everybody. And it is almost word for word from the original. And I, mm-hmm. God, I would... I think that it's pretty close to what she says in the book, too. Yeah. Um, so, the original and the 99 version uh, of her. But they refuse to stay there after dark. They live in town. Mm-hmm. Which, most of the time, it's like, why would they stay there after dark? Yeah, I mean, you're not neat. There's no one that lives there. No one lives <laughs> there. I mean, really, you wouldn't even have to go there every day. No. You would just have to go there, like, sometimes. Right. Well, well, I would say for cleaning purposes, if you want it to be as immaculate as it looks, mm, I feel true. like it, with how true, big... There would be a lot of dust. Well, especially in the, in the 1999 version. Like, that building is massive. It's massive, and there's a lot of nooks and crannies. Like, one of my, one of my favorite lines in the... There are some, there are some genuinely great lines, and almost mm-hmm. all of them come out of Mrs. Dudley. Yep. <laughs> and one of them is, like... When Nell's like sees these weird that come to life eventually, like busts of children mm-hmm. carved into the wooden fireplace, uh, in the wooden mantle of the fireplace, says, "These are beautiful." Mrs. Dudley says, "I've seen them. You should you should try dusting them." Right. There <laughs> like, and valid. Yeah. Um. Like I hear that. But yeah, so she gives them a she gives them a good old, which makes no sense to them in the second movie makes no the, her speech to them makes no sense to them because they don't know the house is supposed to be haunted right like they're just like why is this lady talking like this <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it threw me off too right like because like, i only like up until now i had not watched the original version right and i've never read the book right because i'm bad at books guys I'm bad at this. It's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. It's very short. It's, I'll get there. <laughs> I will read it. I promise. I'll read it. 
on top of the 18,000 other books that I got to read, it's in there. That I add to every month in the video. Uh-huh. Every <laughs> fucking month. <laughs> Katie's like, here's this great book. And I'm like, fuck, I want to read that now. Uh-huh. Um, but like watching the, the 1999 version, I'm like, why are they talking like this? All of a sudden, too. Like, right. they were talking, like, normal, like, people from the 90s. It, it just sounded like regular. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden, they're, they're uh, just the phrasing is just very odd for the time. Right. Suddenly, they're, suddenly they sound like they're being written, you know, by a mid-century New England, you know, upper-class woman. Right. <laughs> all of a sudden. <laughs> all of a sudden, I sound like Shirley Jackson. I don't understand. Um. <laughs> But yes, uh, so she she warns both groups. Uh, Theo shows up, and then Luke shows up. Mm-hmm. I think in that order in both films. Yes, and then yeah. Dark Doctor Markaway slash Marrow shows up last. Mm-hmm. Which is weird. I'm like, sir, shouldn't you have been there first? Right. You're, aren't like, you running this experiment? <laughs> isn't this your show? <laughs> I'm like, don't take from my book, sir. Because <laughs> I am late everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it made no sense. Because they were there for like hours before he got there. Yeah, Maybe they that. like looked through the entire house. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, hey. Uh, especially in the 99 version. Yes. Like, Theo and Nell thoroughly explore the house before they even find Luke. Mm -hmm. And then Mero shows up after that. Right. So. And so they start that there's also two extra people in the 99 version who are his actual research assistants, right? Because since in... the 99 version... Theo and Nell are not research assistants. They are the research subjects. He then needs actual research assistants. Yes. Right. Who show up and I think their names are Todd and Mary. I I can't remember. Right. No. Mary Todd. Yeah. (laughs) Why that? Um, (laughs) What does she have to do with it? Well, actually, I know what she has to do with it. And it's actually, I guess now that I think of it, it's kind of clever, clever because she was really into ghosts. Yeah. Um. I'm talking about Mary Todd Lincoln, mm-hmm. was really into ghosts, especially after, you know, two of her children died. Um, she had seances in the White House all the time. So I do wonder if they threw that in as a reference to to her or if they just, like... Just happened to... Happened to name them Mary and Todd, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I could I couldn't remember their names because they were there for all of five minutes. So right, yes, because <laughs> what happens almost immediately is that Mary is playing a harpsichord that she inexplicably knows how to play, and she runs her fingers along the strings, and one of them snaps and and hits her in the eye. Mm-hmm. So Todd takes her to go to the hospital. Right. And it doesn't really have any bearing in the plot. I mean, I guess it's just sort of like an upsetting thing that happened or like, quote unquote, the house attacking. Right. In a way. Because she is talking about how she thinks that there's something wrong with the house. 
mm-hmm. when that happens. Right. So I suppose that kind of makes sense. But so now we're back down to the original four that have carried through the novel and the first film and now to this one. The Doctor, Luke, Theo, and now. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is uh, they hear the story from the Doctor. In the first film, the backstory is actually much more elaborate. Uh, and that is that a man named Hugh Crane, which is his name in both, mm-hmm. and the name of the dad in the most recent one, uh, built this house for his wife and they were going to fill it up with children and happy memories. Right. And in the first one, they already had a child, an eight-year-old girl named Abigail, mm-hmm. who's also a character in the next one. But uh, Mrs. Crane died on her way to see the house for the first time. She never actually even stepped foot in it. Right. Her carriage hit a tree outside, mm-hmm. which in the original movie is very important. Yes, it is. Cuss. <laughs> um, and then Abigail stayed in that house. Uh, Hugh Crane became a total recluse, and he was this religious fanatic um, who like filled his daughter's head with all of these crazy, you know, fundamentalist biblical stuff. And she grew old in that house. She became like an old maid. Mm-hmm. She had a paid companion who was a young girl from, you know, the nearby town who was kind of ignoring her one night while she met up with her little boyfriend mm-hmm. and Abigail died. Yes. The companion inherited the house since Abigail had been an old maid. She had no, you know had no heirs um oh and i'm sorry yes crane actually had remarried once and that wife fell down the staircase yes not the spiral staircase the main staircase yep so there was a lot of deaths and like tragic preventable sort of death but Mm -hmm. like tragic death in Mm -hmm. this house um and crane himself died not in the house but but i think he he was lost at sea. Yeah, yeah. He was um, he was gone while Abigail, you said, mm-hmm. was uh, was at home, being taken care of by her like nanny. Right, and then she just stayed there forever. Yep. yep. Um, right. Well, because he he ran a textile business, so he was he went back and forth to England. Mm-hmm. Um. So. Uh, and then the companion, like I said, inherited the house. She ended up hanging herself from the spiral staircase in the conservatory. Yep. In the remake, the story is much simpler. Hugh Crane had a, you know, Hugh Crane built this house for his wife, who he wanted to fill the house with, you know, laughter and children and happy memories. The wife died childless after several stillbirths. Mm-hmm. He became a total recluse. And that's it. Yep. And then he tells Luke Wilson's character, nope, Owen Wilson's character, who's playing a man named Luke. <laughs> Fair and confusing. That is confusing. Yeah. Uh, no, it's definitely Owen Wilson in this film, not Luke. Um, but his character's name is Luke. Uh, that his wife actually killed herself. But he doesn't tell him how. Right. 
Mm-hmm. And he tells him that because he knows, even though he tells him not to tell the woman, which is an infuriating little line, he knows that he's going to do so immediately based oh, on yeah. like his psychological profile. Right. And he does. Literally right away. <laughs> it's like he... <laughs> he's like, oh yeah, I won't tell him. Hey guys! <laughs> it's like two steps and hey, wait up. Wait right, for me. Yeah, literally a cut. <laughs> a cut and he's like, hey! Um... Which, knowing that, wouldn't that also slightly, like, invalidate the research and experiment itself? Because now they know that it's potentially haunted. Like, that would be in their subconscious. Right. Well, I mean, I think the idea is that he's already start that he's starting to sow the seeds of the fear. Mm-hmm. But also, like, he's choosing which one to tell based on his pre-existing biases, based on their psychological profiles. Yep. Which invalidates the research. Yep. Right. Like, it's just, it's just not, it's just not, I mean, it's just not valid research from the get. (laughs) Like, there's nothing, and, and there's nothing, there's nothing you can read in a psychological profile of a person Mm -hmm. that would tell you that he's going to spill a secret immediately. Like, there's, there's no metric that psychology as a science, you know, even, even a soft science as it is, Mm -hmm. there's no metric that's like, Oh, this this is the one you tell that because he's gonna run off and tell the others immediately. Like Right. It's it's simply the the film overstates the extent to which psychology as a science can figure people out without actually talking to them. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. And like where did he get that information? Where did he get that information? Right. You never learn that. You don't need to know. Because like, how did he have an entire profile on Nell? Right. Like, was there, was there like, an interview process? There must have been, I guess. But, like, you never see that. So he just has these, like, manila folders full of all this information <laughs> about them. And you never know how he gets that information. It just it doesn't make any sense. Um, a great deal of the... I, we should say this. And this is another, like, big difference in terms of, like, just the, the general vibe of these two films. Is that in the 1963 version a great deal of the sort of like exposition is actually done in voiceover because it's what Eleanor is thinking. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like you don't hear anyone else's thoughts, but you do hear Eleanor's. And you hear it in this sort of like, you know, uh, you know, breathy voiced voiceover. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but there's, there's none of that in, the new movie. Every everything is the newer movie. I guess it's still. God. It's still twenty years old. No, it's not. Yep, <laughs> twenty whole years old. And it, plus, it's got it's like twenty two years old. Yeah. Cool. Gross. Gross. <laughs> um, it is at this point that in both films, strange things begin to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, in the original, like we said, it's mostly consisting of strange knocking and weird noises that they hear, like mm-hmm. things that things that you don't entirely know if it's just the wind, you know, rattling through a part of the house and like banging a shutter or something, or whether it's a ghost, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and they all gather in the study and drink brandy all the time. And 
like several times throughout the film. Mm-hmm. And um, in the in the newer version, it is it is much more explicit visual things. Mm-hmm. Right. Paintings changing. Can we talk about the painting of Hugh fucking Crane? In the newer one, <laughs> they decided to style Hugh Crane as a werewolf. Yep. Or as like the Mr. Hyde half of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It's just ridiculous. Like there's not a human who actually looks like that. I don't know what you're talking about. I feel I see people like that all the time. <laughs> it's just like so weird. Like um <laughs> They're called otters, and they're a part of the gay. <laughs> I feel like that's an insult to otters. The animal and the gay man. Actually, it would be a wolf. I believe wolves are a thing, too. Oh, yeah. But, yes. Yes. <laughs> it's just a ridiculous... Okay, the it portrait... It is ridiculous. And the portrait just cracks me up, because, like, as an art historian, mm-hmm. you can assume that anyone's portrait is probably going to be prettier than they actually are. Usually, yes. You like, think so. No one... Very few people are going to sit down, especially someone who is actually trying to hide evil deeds, as he is, which we find out later in the film. Right. Is going to sit down and tell a portrait artist, hey, make me look as monstrous as possible. Yeah. Um, also, I want it to be an 8 foot by 10 foot. <laughs> um, giant. <laughs> as giant as you can make it. Yeah. Please, uh... <laughs> make it a bigger version of me. Right. Just towering over the entire house. Like, it's just, yeah. No, it's just illogical. Right, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, eventually, in the newer version, Eleanor finds that Hugh Crane, A, had a second wife named Carolyn, Mm-hmm. And B was like murdering children. Who, like it wasn't just that they died while they were working. Like it wasn't just like child labor killed them, right? Which happened a lot. But mm-hmm. that specifically, he was killing them, right? And then recording their deaths in a ledger, which you know, I mean, okay. In all fairness, I guess was something that some serial killers do, um, and hiding their bones in the fireplace, right? So she finds all of this mm-hmm. with with ghostly help. She also finds that despite the fact that the whole point of this story is that nobody had any heirs, that she is somehow related to them. Yeah. (laughs) The whole point is that they didn't have any heirs. And yet Uh she's like, I'm a descendant. Of whom? Exactly. In what way? Who was pregnant? Who? Yeah. There's like this whole thing where it like shows her pregnant. Mm -hmm. It shows Lily Taylor pregnant. And it's like... but Lily Taylor, you can't you can't birth yourself. A. That's not how that works. A. B. The whole thing was the whole reason he was like killing the children is because he was so embittered because like he didn't have any children. Right. But alas. But alas. But CGI CGI ensues. Mm-hmm. In just absolutely ludicrous ways. Oh God. <sighs> All the cherubs just don't stop moving. Oh my God! They never stop moving, and they look so dumb. Yes. Like when they're like, for some reason, suddenly their teeth are white. That one cracks me up. Their teeth and their eyes. And their eyes are white. <laughs> yeah, it's like, why? Why? Why is that necessary? No. Did you think we wouldn't be able to see them if they just stayed wood? Uh, yeah. And like, if so, then why is the rest of their skin, like, why is the rest of themselves, their skin and their hair still look like wood? The problems in this movie, they're just abundant. 
Um, meanwhile, the 1963 version has like absolutely incredible like anamorphic widescreen widescreen distortion and like these absolutely remarkable shots and you know these really tense moments and that scene where uh nell thinks that theo is holding her hand but oh my god so well done so well done Um, but then she wakes up and she's all the way across the room and she says whose hand was i holding right (laughs) (laughs) no every like i what i love about this movie is that like for the most part everything's pretty well lit um, for the most part, some of the the background is is pretty dark. Right. For example, literally what we're watching right now. But <laughs> not a watch along. <laughs> not a watch along. Um, but like all of the rooms that they end up being in tend to be very well lit. But you always see the ceiling, which makes it very small. Yes. And claustrophobic. Yes. Yes. The production design and mm-hmm. um, sort of camera work of. The Haunting from 1963 is 100% the reason the film is as effective as it is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it could just be... Because, honestly, very little actually happens. Yeah. It's just a lot of noises, mostly. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of noises and Eleanor talking to herself. <laughs> yeah, that's that's most of the movie. But you can. You can always see the ceilings, which is something that you lose in that giant house in the, in the second yeah. one. Yeah. Is that, you know, the, the bases of the columns mm-hmm. are taller than Lily Taylor. Right. <laughs> Which, like, of course, it's like, it's not a real house, right? Even the background, oh. even the house is CGI. Yes. Right. Um, the house in the original, e- even though the interiors were mostly soundstage sets, mm-hmm. it's still just like, it feels like your, your average sort of neo-gothic manor style home that you would actually find in new england it doesn't it doesn't seem like it it can't exist no i could see this house being a real house right well i mean yeah and the outside is a real house yes yeah which we're gonna stay um but (laughs) yes yes we are gonna go stay in absolutely (laughs) (laughs) it took you a second to catch myself but why i was like what did you say oh yes 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 yes. you said facts got it got it facts (laughs) and real things Mm -hmm. um Including, of course, it coming to a head with that incredible scene with the door. Mm-hmm. And all it is, is they're all locked in the sort of drawing room, right? Mm-hmm. Where they have gathered almost every night to drink brandy after dinner. Mm-hmm. And they're drinking brandy and they're talking about all the scary shit that's been happening. And the door starts to distort in such a way... That, like, wouldn't give you a second thought if it were in a movie today. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, they did that with a computer. How they did it without one? Yeah, I'm, I'm really not sure how they did I'm it. I'm really not sure. Like, did they make a rubber door somehow? I think it had to be. It had to be, right? Like, it had to be a different material. It absolutely could not have been wood. No, there's no way. But it looked solid. Mm-hmm. Like, as wood. So I'm wondering if, like, part of the door was wood. And I mean, it was just brilliant. It's just a brilliant. And, like, their reaction to it is just, like, um, okay. <laughs> I, wood doesn't bend like that. Right? This doesn't happen. But also, it's it goes back to, I think I talked about this in the Evil Dead episode, is that I love it when things, I think it's so effective when things are almost normal. 
Mm-hmm. But just like, a little bit off. But just a little bit off. Like, you know, the, the door turning into a hand in the 1999 version. That's not scary. Right. The door, protru- part of the door protruding out like that. Mm-hmm. And pulsating is scary. Yes. Because you're like, that's not right. But you're not quite to, that's completely fake. Exactly. Like it yeah. would be if, if it, when it looked like a hand. You're right. like, oh, well, that's clearly just CGI. Yeah. Right. Um, in both, the rest of the party becomes concerned about Eleanor's mental health. Mm-hmm. And whether or not she's becoming too obsessed with the house. Right. Um, in the one, Eleanor just sort of becomes obsessed with the house in general and belonging somewhere and being a part of something because she's never felt like she was part of that. Mm-hmm. Right. So actually, like the in the original, even the psychology is more nuanced, despite the fact that the original right. is not about psychology and the uh, other one is. Right. Right. Um, in the second one, she's sort of obsessed with with saving the children who are dead already. Right. Just for the record. They're ghosts. They're they're not coming back, baby. The, they, they, she's like, I won't let you hurt a child. There are no children here. Yeah, you, the 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 child's already in the fireplace. The fireplace. It jumped out at you. Did you forget that? <laughs> I didn't. You did. Okay. I wouldn't. <laughs> Another difference is that in the uh, original, Luke does not die. No. He, he survives. Yeah. You know, alive and well. Mm-hmm. He actually has the last line in the film. Yep. Well, okay, other than the voiceover. Oh, that's true. Like, you do hear Eleanor's voice come in on the voiceover. Right. But the first act, the, the last line that you see being spoken is spoken by Luke. Mm-hmm. Um, in the new one, they decided that they had to decapitate Owen Wilson for some reason. I mean. With, like, a giant lion's head. Right. <laughs> Flew. Thing. Flu, flu stopper thing. Which I'm like, why is that a thing? Why is that thing so big? I mean, I guess I mean, it is a fireplace a... that big. It would have to be, I think. Yeah, right? I guess it would need to be. Yeah, you're right. No, you're right. You're right. When you're right, you're right, Katie. <laughs> I mean, the fireplace is like ten feet fucking tall. Yeah, you could fit. You could have a party in that fireplace. <laughs> yeah, you could live in that fireplace. <laughs> yeah. I think my I think my last apartment was smaller than that fireplace. Um, I think your last apartment was smaller than that fireplace. I'm not joking. <laughs> um but yeah so they decide that she should leave right Mm -hmm. and the house is actively trying to prevent this and so is eleanor eleanor doesn't want to leave and the house doesn't want eleanor to leave right um in the first one mrs uh mcaway shows up Mm -hmm. maxwell who uh is tired of all this malarkey <laughs> and yes. wants to see it for herself. They, so they put her in the most haunted room, which she insists upon. Right. But only after Eleanor, who is jealous because she has a crush on Dr. Markaway, uh-huh. tells her that's the most haunted room in the house. Right. And she's like, oh, well, then put me in there. <laughs> if this is going to happen, it's going to happen in there, right? So put me in there. Mm-hmm. They put her in there and she promptly disappears. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Poof. <laughs> she's gone. And they're like, fuck. So they're looking for her. <laughs> Eleanor is wandering around in a trance, essentially, mm-hmm. um, and starts climbing up the absolutely glorious spiral staircase, which is always a feature mm-hmm. in in 
in the original, in the 99 version, and in the Mike Flanagan version, there is a beautiful spiral staircase involved. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's unstable, right? It's like, it's not a, it's not a safe staircase at right. this point um, in its existence. So they, uh, Eleanor is like all the way up the staircase. And she, <laughs> one thing that is hilarious to me is they, they keep foreshadowing that Eleanor is going to fall. Like, there yep. are several scenes where she is just stopped from falling, and that's not how she dies. No. Nope. <laughs> it's like, oh, so that was just, like, misdirection. All right. Cool. Cool. Fine. Sounds good. Fine. Um, but she gets up to the top, and, and Markaway does run after her, which, of course, every... Markaway is concerned about her because he's a good man. Yes. And because he likes her, mm-hmm. like, generally... But of course, every time he says any kind word to her, just because of how traumatized she is and how abused she's been, she assumes that he's in love with her. Yes. Right? And the uh, the appearance of his wife mm-hmm. throws a wrench in that. Oh, yeah. And like, Theo tried to warn her mm-hmm. in a not so delicate way. Like, right. Theo in the original is, is not the easiest person to deal with. No. A good person, mm-hmm. deep down. But right. like... Doesn't necessarily go about things the best way. Yeah. Um, does genuinely seem to care for Eleanor. Mm-hmm. But is sort of like jaded. Yeah. That's a good word for it. Jaded. Mm-hmm. Um, so he does save her. And right before he takes her down, back down the spiral staircase, um, she sees his wife in the wall. Mm-hmm. And she's like all fucked up. And she screams. And she's like, it was your wife. And he's like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but you're leaving right now. Yeah, you gotta go. You gotta go because you're losing your goddamn mind. Mm-hmm. So they put her in the car. I don't know why they decided that she should drive the car. Yeah. It seemed th- like a poor choice. Yeah, that was not Luke a Luke was decision. going with her anyway. So just right. like have Luke drive the car. Um, but Luke gets <laughs> out to get the key to the gate. Mm-hmm. And Nell peels off. Yeah, she's like, I'm out of here. Bye. I'm out of here to be here forever. Wait, what? what? Well, she's just trying to get away from them. Right. They're trying to make her leave. So she's right. going to like go hide somewhere. Um, and you do see, you see the steering wheel moving by itself. Mm-hmm. Right. So like there is confirmation that something supernatural is happening. Yes. In this film. Mm-hmm. It's just much more toned down oh, yeah. than it is in the 99 version. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. And she unfortunately crashes into a tree mm-hmm. after seeing again Mrs. Markway like dart across. Yes, but she was already pointed at the tree, right? Which is what Mrs. Markway says. Mm-hmm. She's like, no, she didn't swerve away from me. She was already going toward the tree and mm-hmm. just happened to see me. Right. Yeah, and that that scene right there too. That was also really effective. Like seeing her quickly run across mm-hmm. the screen. Mm-hmm. That was genuinely creepy. Yeah, you're like, wait, what just happened? <laughs> like, wait. Uh, was that a ghost? <laughs> well, and like the... Okay, and I i mean, we could do an entire episode about the camera work in mm-hmm. the 1963 oh, version. God, yes. I mean, we could do an entire episode about it. But just like the the absolutely insane depth of field that they used. Mm-hmm. Like that there was like... There's, there's a scene where Eleanor is very tight into the foreground. Mm-hmm. And Theo and Markway are talking about her in the background. Mm-hmm. And everything's in crisp focus. But it's just like this beautiful split screen effect. 
Um, and that happens again after the car crash when you see the, the sort of wheel of the car spinning and then you see Mark away um, running up mm-hmm. to check on her. Um, just absolutely, absolutely like glorious work on that film. Just chef's kiss. <laughs> ah. uh, that is not how Nell dies. In the 1999 version. That is how she dies in the novel. Yeah. Like I said, the the 1963 version is the most faithful adaptation. Mm -hmm. There are only minor changes. Um, She basically, she like, she jumps off the staircase, right? That is in the Netflix one. You're right. (laughs) In this one, um... It, or in the 1999 version, she is um, staring at the door with um, the yes, the purgatory purgatory thing. yes, covering it. Okay. Yeah. Small sidebar. Mm-hmm. Just so you know, her description of what purgatory is is not. No. <laughs> it's not what she's like. Oh, that's when souls are between the living and the dead. No. No, that's not at all what purgatory is. People in purgatory are very much dead. Yes. It's between hell and heaven. Uh-huh. Anyway, I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> no, no. Small thing that's always annoyed me. No, no, like, no. You're it's at, wrong. Fair. It's, it's just <laughs> wrong. <laughs> I know you're trying to tie it into your own life, my dear, but you are living still. You could still do that. Yes. Without just completely give it, getting the entire concept uh-huh. of purgatory wrong. Right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so Nell is staring at the door. Mm-hmm. Of the door of purgatory, essentially. Um, and the ghost of Hugh Crane comes and lifts her up and slams her into the door. Mm. And she is absorbed into the door partially. That's right. Yes. So she, like, so the... Um, the house very explicitly kills her in the, yes. in the 99. Yes, exactly. Like, that. the door itself, like, the the spirits that are on there, the, those bodies, their arms, like, grab a hold of her. Right. They end up releasing her, but she falls to the ground and apparently dies. So well, it's a big door. I mean, it's a big door. I mean, you could break your neck. Yeah, from there. Yeah, or she could have already been dead, like right. when she hit it. Yes. Um. So she's laying on the ground, and then you don't know if she's dead until her ex- excessively smiling spirit floats up from her body. Oh my god, that looks like a fucking Looney Tune. Like, I- have you ever seen? <laughs> you've ever seen like an episode of Looney Tunes where somebody quote unquote dies, and like, yes. you see their their spirit race out of their body. Like, yep. It literally looks like a cartoon. Yeah. It's I'm, like you can you can depict that without being so obvious. Yep. I mean, that's just. I mean, I think that's that's my major complaint is the entire lack of subtlety and nuance. Yeah, which I'm I'm a pretty big fan of in horror, mm-hmm. despite the fact that like my favorite one of my favorite movies is Return of the Living Dead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I want it to either be campy, right, or be subtle and nuanced yes and this one is trying to be the type of movie that is usually subtle and nuanced without being subtle or nuanced yes does that make sense and ends up being campy without quality yes yeah yep yeah absolutely like there's a there is a campiness to it because it's just ridiculous it's ridiculous yeah but it's bad camp yeah yeah Mm mm-hmm yeah, it's just not. It's just not well done. It's it. It seems more of a money grab than a well intentioned movie. Right. Like, yeah. 
Well, and I will give them this. I mean, in in the late nineties, everyone was obsessed with CGI. Like you, you everyone are right. thought it was automatically better. Yes, and I'm and I'm here to tell you that you're wrong. It's not. It's not better. Used well, it can be great. Yeah, it can be great. Mm-hmm. But like, you can't just you can't just replace any and all substance with it. Right. And just be like, okay, here it is. See the 2009 sure. question mark remake of The Thing. Oh, right. I was like, what's he going to say? <laughs> I didn't know which one we were going to talk about. Yeah, going to the left turn here. <laughs> but like the like just as a, a quick sidebar with that, like the original, not the original original, but the, the John, John Carpenter, Carpenter version um, of The Thing like was all practical effects. Mm-hmm. And they were going to and had them built for the remake. And then they said, CGI, question mark? It's cheaper. Exclamation point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 I stuck with the question mark there. I actually, side note, did actually really enjoy the remake of the thing, um, even with the CGI. Yeah, I mean, part. it's not, yeah. But, but, it, but when I found out that they were going to do practical effects for the whole thing, I'm like, why'd you fuck up? Why? Why did you decide to fuck this up? Makes no sense. Yeah. It's just, you know. What was the movie where they used both and we were like, this is a perfect encapsulation of, of the diff, like, if you want to see, like, how much better. Oh, it was Krampus. Yep. Where there were, like, these uh-huh. these gorgeous practical effects and mm-hmm. these goofy little CGI gingerbread men. Yep. Who were awesome and I loved them. Oh, yeah. But that was, inti- I, that was the thing is it was... That it was, was intentionally silly. Yes. Right. That but, like, is quality camp. Right. Yeah, like, when, <laughs> when, you are, when you are intentionally being silly and then these guys, the practical effect guys, are supposed to be scary. Yeah. And they knew the difference and they knew when to use what thing. Yeah. Um... But yeah, it just it just doesn't work. And like I, I will admit freely that as a thirteen year old like baby gay, I loved that fucking movie. <laughs> but I had also never seen the original. Right. Yeah, the 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 car crash that kills Eleanor is pretty much the end of the nineteen sixty three version. They sort of they have a conversation about how, you know, the house has Eleanor now and maybe that's what she wanted and like whether debating whether or not she crashed the car on purpose. Mm-hmm. And then you hear a uh and then Luke has the final like spoken line mm-hmm. sort of on screen spoken line where he says that the house should be der- burned down yes and the ground sown with salt mm-hmm. um and then you hear eleanor's voice in a voiceover echoing the opening little voiceover that mark Way did which of course part of is lifted directly from the opening of the novel right which we will talk about when we talk about the Netflix series, because I have thoughts and feelings about that. I'm on board. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. So what's the end of the 99 version? I'm uh, so, so they do the fucking ascension of Christ. Yes. With Nell. And then what happens? So after that, it's, I mean, after that, everything's at peace. Nell's floating around with all the baby ghosts. Um, and uh, all is well with the world. And oh right, like like her death actually brought balance to the force or whatever the fuck. Yes, like, <laughs> because now all of the right. all of the children have a mother. Yes, right. As if this as if this woman's death was 
necessary. Yeah, right. no, I, yeah, I don't like that either. No, I don't no. like it either. It's, like, it's not treated as, you know, a, a tragedy. Yeah, it's a bad thing. That this ending. young woman died. No. It's just like, it's an unqualified good thing. Yep. It's yeah. a bad fucking ending. <laughs> sorry, sir. No. I'm sorry, but no. Um, and then it's the, uh, the, the keepers. Dudley's. The Dudleys. Why would I forget Dudley? Come on. <laughs> Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, the, and then the Dudleys come home to see, uh, a car crashed into their gate. <laughs> yep. And they're like, what the fuck? Well, that, and like, the house is destroyed. Like, that's another thing that oh, doesn't yeah. make any sense. That like... Just from a standpoint mm-hmm. of, like, how ghosts tend to behave in ghost stories. Mm-hmm. And not saying that you can't that you can't change those paradigms. But the whole thing is that Hugh Crane... So, they also make this house a little bit like the Winchester house. Where, yes. like, he just kept mm-hmm. building and building and building and building. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, this this house was Hugh Crane's life work, life's work. And then his ghost just dest- is destroying it. Yeah, it makes no fucking sense. Why would he do that? Like, yeah, no. usually ghosts are trying to protect the house. Yep. Because that's, like, they're embedded in the house. So, like, the house gets destroyed. That's bad news for the ghosts, right? He's like, no, fuck this house. <laughs> fuck this house and all the dead children in it. Right? Like, no. <laughs> no. Doesn't make sense. But yes, then so then the Dudleys come home to this destroyed house and this gate. And they're like... Okay. So did you find the research you needed? <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. And they just walk out. Honestly, the only good lines in the movie are, are belong to the Dudleys. The Dudleys and a few from from Catherine Zeta Jones. Yes. There are there are a few good. Uh, Theo good, has some zingers. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Definitely. Um. But yeah, and that's it. Yeah. That's the end of that. Very not good movie. It's definitely not good. No. Tia. <laughs> Reserved. <laughs> and the end of a great film. Yeah. <laughs> really remarkable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two. Now you could have two movies based on the same source material that just like go in com- two completely direction- different directions and have like two completely different outcomes. Right. That is it for The Haunting, both 1963 and 1999. Join us next week for a review of the new-ish movie, Row, mm-hmm. um, which looks very interesting. I'm very intrigued by this movie. I can't wait to watch it. Until then, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Spotify. We have a YouTube channel, Friday Night... Night we have a YouTube channel, Friday Night Frights Podcast, where you can find our latest video, which is our Halloween video. Um, you can find us on Instagram, which is FM Frights Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at FM Frights Pod. We have a website at FMFrightsPodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook if you just search Friday Night Frights Podcast. And there's, of course, uh, our email address if you want to scream at us directly, scream at FMFrightsPodcast.com. And then there is our Patreon, The Fright Club. Mm-hmm. Sean, what is the first rule of Fright Club? The first rule of Fright Club is if... The house that you're in starts moving for whatever reason. Leave. Yes. So <laughs> if the house is moving on its own, it is either haunted or extremely structurally unsound. Yes. Both reasons to get the fuck out. Yep. That, go. Uh, yep. Yep. You Leave. know what's you know you want to go to? Solid ground. <laughs> <laughs> Outside. Uh-huh. Out. 
If it's haunted, just leave the property in general. Right. It's probably a good plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially if it seems, you know, malevolent. Yeah. In any sort of way. Yeah. And certainly don't, you know, climb up any staircases that are detaching from the wall. Yeah, yeah. Keep away from those. Bad idea. Yeah. Just just that style of staircase in general, questionable. All right. Doesn't seem very stable. <laughs> no. Traces. Mm-hmm. Traces. <laughs> so, gays and ghouls, join us next Friday night. You'll be in fur fright. But until then, sleep tight.